Hey, Amanda. Hey, Tommy. Do your parents love you? <laughs> I mean, I sure hope so. I am one of six, but wow. I sure hope so. Have they ever went on an international vacation for getting you at home? Uh, my parents have never gone on an international vacation, so thank God, no. All right. Well, luckily, they're not loaded. And luckily, I guess they love you. Can you guess what we're going to talk about? I sure hope it's Home Alone. It is. And that's what we're going to talk about today on Can We Talk About? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. I don't know how to pack a suitcase. I've never done this once in my whole life. Tough. That's what Megan said. What did I say? You told Kevin tough. The dope was whining about a suitcase. What am I supposed to do? Shake his hand and say congratulations, you're an idiot? I'm not an idiot. Oh, really? You're completely helpless. Everyone has to do everything for you. She's right, Kev. Excuse me, pupils. I'm a lot smaller than you. I don't know how to pack a suitcase. Do you know what I should pack? Well, it's told you, cheap face. Toilet paper and water. Listen, Kev, what are you so worried about? You know mom's gonna pack your stuff anyway. You're what the French call les incompetents. What? P.S. You have to sleep on the hide-a-bed with Fuller. If he has something to drink, he's gonna wet the bed. This house is so full of people, it makes me sick. When I grow up and get married, I'm living alone. Did you hear me? I'm living alone! I'm living alone! <laughs> talk about home alone absolutely we can everyone grew up with home alone at this point i mean I, I feel like we've gotten to a point now where anyone humanly alive worth talking to it either came out when they were a kid or they grew up with just watching it as part of like movies you watch around the holidays right it's part of the christmas zeitgeist like it is it is the movie i mean there's a handful of movies but this is one of the ones it doesn't matter 
if you're a millennial who watched it in the 90s growing up like we did, but even like we were just talking about my niece and nephew, they're younger than me. They they love these kinds of movies. It just every generation continues to enjoy it. It's just so good. For what it's worth, I don't know. Are we going to talk about one and two or are we just going to talk about one? Uh, we can talk about one and two. I mean, do you have a favorite? I mean, what's funny, too, is I grew up in New York City, but even then Very I true. still so like even him being unleashed on New York City was sort of like a fun I actually, I always found that more exciting as a kid for some reason than just like wandering around like a, you know, residential neighborhood. Okay. okay. You know, did, did you have the opposite? I, you know, I, I, right before we started recording, I asked Henry what his favorite was and mine is the first one, but I think, I don't know. It's a very hard, I like them both as favorites for different reasons. Okay. Like the, the first one was you could totally, when you were, you know, I don't remember how old I was when I came out, but I could yeah. totally see myself like, oh, yeah, if someone tried to break in my house, I could do this. If my family forgot me, I could totally do this. I could defend my house. And then two, which was set in New York City, for yeah. me, that was like fantastical. That was like, oh, my gosh, could you imagine staying at the Plaza Hotel and getting room service and being able to go to a toy store and buy whatever yeah. you want? Like that seemed so far fetched in the best way. Like I could. Yeah fantasize about that one yeah but they're both so good they're so good so wait, are you saying you didn't fantasize about the first one about like just having the house to yourself and- i think it felt more realistic like i was yeah i was watching that as okay this is really great but also i could i have to study this if someone tries <laughs> to break into my house i've got to make sure i've got my mob movies ready to go on vhs to play in the background i had to have you know that was more like, this is great. This is how I prepare. Where the one in New York City, it was like, well, even if I was left in New York City uh, and had one of my parents' credit cards, I doubt the limit would even be able to afford the room. So <laughs> would not would not have gone the same for me as it did for Kevin McAllister. There's so much stuff we can talk about these movies as far as like the viewing it as a kid, viewing it as an adult, all that stuff like we've done with the only, which funny enough, I mean, we, have, we don't have a, that many episodes under our belt here, but this is our second John Hughes movie. Yeah. Um, and there is a vibe to the characters beyond, like if you look beyond it and you look at, you view it as a kid or you view it as an adult, two very different movies. Agreed. Um, and, uh, seems to be our (laughs) go-to. Yeah. (laughs) But also it's like, wow, the whole, the whole time was this just John Hughes's whole thing that he was able to like, you know, write a movie from two different perspectives. We just didn't recognize it until we saw the perspective. It's so um, good, though. That's his genius, right? Because then you're not only enjoying it just when you're a teenager and being like, oh, I really like that movie when I was a teenager. I really like that movie when I was a kid. He writes yeah. movies that you can continue to enjoy in different ways throughout your life. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny, too, because like, you know, growing up or or in like the later or the early 2000s, let's call it between, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants or the Shrek movies and things. Right. Those were things where it was like, oh, like there's like little wink, wink inside jokes, you know, adult double entendre things that only adults get. That's a whole different thing than having like you view this movie as like a kid who's like, oh, man, it'd be so cool. I can I can do whatever I want versus like you as an adult being like, Jesus Christ. Like, first off, what did the father do for a living? I know he was loaded. He was loaded. And then on top of that, Paris. I, I mean, yeah, well, not only go to Paris, but he paid for everyone to go to Paris. Right. Isn't that the thing? Yeah. All they the extended to, family. 
All the extended family. Oh, that's another thing too. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll start here because we got to get down to basics about the movie in general. But oh my god, I love. I that. get lost in who everyone is. Like, all right, so if and I feel like you know this better than I would, and I'm trying to look at this list of myself. All right, so there's okay. Kevin McAllister, right? Yes. Who has just an older brother? Is that it? No, he also has a sister. Okay. Um, I th- yeah. He has a sister as well, who was actually recast. The whole cast came back for Home Alone 2, except mm-hmm. for his sister was the only person recast. Really? Yes. Who I don't know the, why. Who I should the have sister? the answer for that, but I don't have it. Well, I was going to say, um, who was the sister? I don't know who she was, but she is. she's an older sister, and she's recast yeah. in the second movie. Um, but his, yeah, he's got his brother, Buzz, which uh, one of the favorite lines that uh, Henry and I say all the time is yeah. Buzz's girlfriend. Woof. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um, okay. So Hillary Wolf as Megan, Kevin's oldest sister. Okay. Did he, wait, did he have more than one? Just that. That was it. Right. I felt like I knew this answer up until this point. Oh yeah. Wait, it's okay. According to Wikipedia, which we're going over in real time here, there's Linny, Kevin's older sister, Okay. And then Megan, Kevin's oldest sister, who okay. seems to be the friendliest of his siblings. Okay, this is actually ringing a bell because she's actually very nice to him. Isn't she okay. the one? One of them is the one that realizes that he's n- not with them. Or is it the mom? It's the mom. Never mind. It's the mom. It, it, well, is it? Well, who, who? Like, there's like the whole Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Yes. Kevin's not here. And they, they walk it backwards, right? All right. So he has apparently two sisters and then a brother. Buzz. Who is Buzz. The best. Right. I love Buzz. How do you love Buzz? Even as an adult, I still shit. hate Buzz. Like, yeah, no, you, you hate him, but he's like, yeah. he was cast perfectly. And yeah. did you watch the uh, movies that made us about this? Yes. On mm-hmm. Netflix? Yes. Uh, which has like the best information. I can't wait to talk all about that. But uh, when they were talking about the casting director, was like, I just looked through a bunch of headshots until I saw a kid that like he looked like I hated him. And yeah. that's how Buzz got cast. <laughs> and he's like such a sweet, nice man. Yeah. Well, funny enough, I mean, did you just to jump forward a little bit? Did you see the new newest like I forget what it's called now. Home Alone is home home alone no. again. Whatever the hell it's called. No, the the new one they did like last year. Mm-mm. Ellie Kemper's in it in 2021. They released Home Sweet Home Alone. It was like a Disney Plus direct to Disney Plus thing. Um which was also kind of weird because the entire thing was obviously it was planned out um, to specifically be a, um, a a product for Disney Plus to help them sell it a little bit. But they also wanted to kind of swap soft reboot. The whole reason I mention it. Also, Pete Holmes is in it. I know you like Pete Holmes. I do. So like that's a further explainer. I um, do. Buzz pops up because he's a police officer now and he gets out of the car and it you know, shows his nameplate. It says McAllister. And, uh, and at some point someone calls the police and says that the, there's a kid home alone. Can you go check on the house? He's like, Oh, that's my brother playing a prank on me. He does this every year. Oh, that's so good. That sounds darker. Pretty dark. When you think about it, like after all these years, he's like, make my family remember that time they left me home alone as a kid. And it did all this damage to me. Well, yeah, that's that goes back to right, like the whole watching it as a kid to watching it as an adult. Yeah. Um, I know Catherine O'Hara, who was cast as his mom yeah. in the second movie, was like, I just kind of 
don't love this anymore because it feels like he just wasn't loved enough. Like this yeah. feels really awful. Yeah. And if you look at it as an adult, I remember watching, uh, just catching up for this and thinking to myself, this poor kid would need so much therapy. Yeah. If they, like, this, yeah, this kid would be screwed. I mean, it's funny too. Well, even watching it now, because I, I understand like how as a kid you would sort of side with the kid. But even watching it now, like even the beginning of the movie when, you know, after the the milk spills everywhere and then the mom ends up sending out to the attic, she's a bitch to him. Like she's, she's really mean to, to him. him. She's so mean to him and he's so cute. But the thing is, too, it, it's it's funny because even out of the acting of it, right, if they tried to play the mom up as being like sort of exasperated, like, oh, there's so much going on and we're stressed out because travel and stuff and like just go to the attic. Right. Or like, you know, but she's sort of like cruel and vindictive to him like oh well maybe you wish for this and maybe we won't be like just like she's really like digging into him uh i kind of understand why uh buzz is the way he is with his little brother because it feels like an 80s mom though you know what i mean like 80s like 80s was like the end of the latchkey kid area right so 80s was like the moms were just like it's not the kids are seen or not heard. It's not like your parents yeah. kind of thought second second thought about leaving you home alone. You know, like yeah. it was kind of like, oh, maybe you're not old enough for this quite yet. Yeah. But there was but also, still kind of like a get the hell away from me yeah. vibe in parenting. Could you imagine today yeah. if a loaded family left their kid home alone, even if they forgot, they would be vilified, crucified, like <laughs> Oh, my God. The people would come for them. And it's funny that you say that because she is she is kind of mean, but it's definitely like 80s mom vibes. Yeah. I mean, it plays up later as like, you know, boy loves his mom. And that's the other thing, too, is like I I mean, growing up, uh, I I, I mean, I feel like everyone's different, but this kid had like zero relationship with his father either. Apparently, the father and and did not care, could could care less. and, And Kevin could care less about his dad. Like, it was a really weird uh it's like I maybe guess that's why he was loaded yeah he was probably loaded because dad yeah. was always at work and didn't give a shit about his kids especially his tiny one yeah so i mean it all checks out but it doesn't make it suck any less yeah um and then uh all right can we can we talk about extended family too because we're, we're, we're really getting and, yes and it this all connects too, right because the movie kicks off and everyone is at the house right it's it just overrun with people um and so, okay, so you have, apparently he has two sisters and a brother. Um, he has his mom. And then uh, uh, who else is in the family? So you have um, Uncle Uncle Frank, right? Yeah, I like Uncle Frank. <laughs> is he the one who sings in the shower? Yeah, I, I just like he's cute. He's, yeah. Like, I'm endearing to people that are sweet like that. But, I mean, again... Yeah, I should probably think about this from an adult's point of view. I don't know that I would love Uncle Frank as a kid, but well, here's the thing that here's the thing that boggles my mind. Right. Is like um, I, I think we've all had kind of, you know, different family and stuff. Uh, clearly, I, it's a weird sentence, um, but I'm looking at this list. Right. And and I would always kind of confuse me is like the, the the family tree, if you will, of everyone. Right. So there's Uncle Frank and there's Uncle Rob apparently and i'm trying to figure out who uncle rob is um but so kieran culkin you know who we all know is kevin i mean uh macaulay culkin's uh younger brother um is in the movie he plays fuller the one who uh 
He's the lactose intolerant one, or is it? He's the, the little cousin. Yeah, he's the little yeah. cousin with the glasses. He's so with cute. Pepsi is he like yeah. Pepsi, right? What, he's what cute. Do? Um, do you know which he's supposed to be? He's he's supposed to be uh, Uncle Frank's son. Oh, I don't even remember that. I'm yeah, looking, I, I'm, I'm now looking, looking, at, looking at the list. family tree photo. There's a family tree photo. I just found it. Well, anyway, my whole point to that is the fact that. Uncle Frank looks like he's a retiree and like up there and apparently he has like a six year old kid. But no, younger because because Kevin's eight in this. Right. Kevin's supposed to be eight years old. I believe so. I know Macaulay yeah. Culkin was nine when the movie was okay. shot. OK, so I don't know if they did it, you know, accurate to how old he was. But yeah, well, he was uh, according to this. He And I do remember this from I think it was the movies that made us that he was an eight year old. But Uncle Frank, you know, look what you did, you little jerk. You know, that guy, <laughs> you know, is supposed to be the father of this young little kid. I don't know. That was the thing that threw me off. I was like, wait, I don't know if this is all really thought out. Anyway, I, maybe I'm putting too much thought into the realities of Hold on, I'm gonna these uncles and now. cousins so and things. Because the, there's Rob and Georgette McAllister, Peter and Kate McAllister, and Frank and Leslie McAllister. First of all, who made this family tree? I I applaud I there. Okay, so Fuller is Frank's kid. Yeah. Fuller has five kids and Rob has four kids. Good Lord, this was an expensive trip. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Holy shit. And also apparently I just I just I just read this too. Um Jeff, Kevin's older brother. Yeah, I just Kevin looked at that. There's another... five kids on this yeah. family branch for Peter and Kate. Wow. Which by the way. I don't think they explained that pretty well, right? Clearly, but, we didn't freaking know till just now. <laughs> but I also think if you knew that, maybe that lends a little bit more towards him getting lost in the shuffle because he's not just a middle child. He's not the youngest of two. He's the youngest of five. That'll happen. As yeah. someone with five siblings, that'll happen. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I'd be I, lying I if I didn't get yeah. forgotten after pickup from a field trip before. I'd be lying if I didn't say that that happened. Um, but I feel like I feel like this almost kind of helps better explain why he's getting why he's sort of like lost in this. OK, I'll, I'll allow that. Right. I'll allow that through. Still, still, I feel so bad for him. Buzz, Megan, Linny, Jeff and Kevin. And Jeff was the kid from pete and pete the older brother from pete and pete mm -hmm. right? oh now i'm okay. seeing it in my head yes oh pete and pete yeah. what a show what a show I love. oh we, we should do it we should do an episode on pete Ugh, and pete, pete, and pete. so great. good um yeah and, and then frank uncle frank who looks like he's pushing you know 56 is as five kids and they're all no older than like 16 so i don't know man good for him. i don't know yeah apparently yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, and then and even funnier too. I just also saw this too. Is Uncle Frank and Uncle Rob are both the brothers of Peter, which is mm -hmm. Kevin's dad. Yes. Um, but there is, you know, who's not invited on this trip or to the house or anything. Any of any of his wife's family? Not at all. <laughs> it's his money. God damn it! He's the man of the house. That's it. That's all you get. So, anyway. That is too much family for a trip. I'm sorry. I love my family, but no way would all of both sides. I mean, I have four parents, but no way would all of them be invited on a trip. 
would kill yeah. each other. There would be blood. Yeah. That's too many people for a trip. <laughs> also, to France. To France? First of all, Uncle Frank is not appreciating anything about France. Myrtle Beach at best would have been the best idea yeah. for them. Yeah. Um. Well, in the second one, where do they go in the second? Is it Miami? Orlando? Uh, where do they, where do they try to go in the second one. I honestly don't remember that. You don't remember that? No, where they go. Um, they were going to Florida, but I just forget where in Florida. Because that was the whole thing. There's no they, they don't have Christmas trees in far, Florida. They have palm trees. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. They were going to Miami. Ah, uh, they were going to Miami. Okay. Yeah. Dreary, rainy Miami. And I and it was even funnier too, can I just point this out? They fly to Miami, right? The uh, again, a second trip. Right. Or like the first for Kevin, supposedly. Right. The family who apparently is loaded uh, flew, flew to France last time. This time they're going to stay domestic. They go to fly to Miami and you can because here's the thing. Nothing gets shuffled because of Kevin getting lost and in, in, in New York. Right. So they should be going to the hotel and everything that they were already going to stay at. But they end up like at this like Motel 6 looking thing. Um, so was that ever explained? Cause as I'm saying this out well, loud, Kevin's I got almost, his dad's credit card. So yeah, as I'm, I mean, yeah. I would assume that's the reason, but they never play that. Right. Do they? Uh, okay. We, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm finding, I'm finding plot. I'm finding plot holes and plot things holes we can left fix. And right. Okay. About the so movie. first of all, something that we do have to talk about eventually is the solo. Okay that Kevin yeah. has. I feel like I started a rabbit hole here. It's so. just so good. No, it's fine. Um, okay. So the, oh yes. So the family lands in Miami. They discover yes. that Kevin's missing. Then they file the police report and then the police trace Pet- Peter's credit card and they fly immediately to New York. Meanwhile, blah, blah, blah. So I, do they talk about him? Because they do. They stay in that shitty hotel. Isn't it that they have to stay yeah. in the hotel for one night because they can't get a flight out till the next day or something? Yeah. But that's the thing is like, and then the hotel they end up staying at is this like decrepit. It's a crack like, den. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a great. crack den. It's not um, great. Right. And, you know, and then Kevin's quote unquote living it up at the the plaza. We got, we really should have had Henry on this. I feel like he has all these answers. <laughs> so well, anyway, much. I I, I gotta let me double back. So anyway, sorry, I went off on a weird tangent here, uh, as we deciphering did. the the uh, legitimacy of the movie, the dynamics the of the McAllisters. <laughs> right, the movie should have been like two hours long. It should have been like they should have like extended the running time to just you know, explain through all these little plot holes. Even though you can kind of see little blurbs of it, I know over the years people have picked up on like deleted scenes about like the the pizza scene. That that was the whole thing, like. You don't even notice that the that Kevin's ticket gets thrown in the garbage if you're like if you blink you miss it in the first. I one. wouldn't have noticed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, all right. So moving on. Um. All that happens. We all know that story. And then uh, we got to talk about um Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern because um, okay, I yeah. love. I mean, if we talk about the casting for the movies, uh, what I think is incredible, Joe Pesci slash Harry. They originally, yeah. they were thinking John Lovitz, perhaps, or perhaps Robert De Niro. Yeah. Could you imagine if this movie was yeah. made with Robert De Niro as him? He, like, Joe Pesci was made for this. Yeah. But he, uh, if you watch the movies that made us, one of my favorite things is 
he had such a hard time not cursing on set. Yeah. And that's why he created that frickin', funny frickin', frickin'. language. Yeah. Because yeah. he was like, I'll sound like a cartoon bad guy and yeah. get that out. But he got pissed off because his call times were so early and he like yeah. had to golf nine holes every morning. Yeah. It was a non-negotiable. <laughs> and I think that is just so hilarious to me that he was the, you know, I don't see Joe Pesci in my brain golfing nine holes every morning. I see him cursing at children. I don't see him golfing nine holes every morning. Joe Pesci has has over the years done so many things that at, at some point you're like, you can't even you can't even like paint a persona for him because it's almost unattainable. Like this is the same guy who did um, my cousin Vinny. Right. Which is like, oh, yeah. Another comedy. Um but also, you know, the same guy who did he, he did an entire like rap album in the early 2000s. Like I think That's it was two years so after this or so. Remarkable. Um, he did a song I think it was called "The Bitch Is Gonna Gitches." Like it's it just it's well, Joe Pesci on my first dance song for my wedding. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> you should walk out to like a Joe Pesci. Rap oh, I'm album walking song. out to uh, Wu Tang Clan. Ain't nothing to fuck with. And I told my mom I was doing that since I was about. 10 years old so i'm sticking through to it it's happening there's this is get ready for it you'll be there so that's a a commitment Uh, um let's talk about marv which is dan stern and i love this story because he was originally cast and they told him to be a six-week shoot and then he found out it was going to be an eight-week shoot and they were on such a tight low budget that he said, well, I get paid more for the extra two weeks. And they were like, uh, sorry, no, we can't afford that. And he was like, all right, deuces, I'm out. And then yeah. they cast Dan Roebuck and him and Joe Pesci did like a screen test. And Boy, Joe Pesci this. was like, absolutely not. Like, this is not going to happen. And that's when they asked uh, Stern to come back. And he, when you watch the movies that made us interview, he's like, oh. thank God. Can you imagine if I didn't go back? Like, that was my yeah. career. Wow. And and it's really funny because uh, Daniel Roebuck, um, I'm like trying to say what anyone would know him from, and and there's something super obscure that I know him from, but I don't know. Is there anything that when you say his name, like, is there anything so, that stands out? <clears throat> when I saw him, I was like, oh, he's so 1990s movies. Like he's just yeah. in 1990s movies. He was in the Munsters. Uh, yeah, he was in. Let me think of like the ones in the 90s that he was really in before this. Well, also um, to be clear, and this is a whole other thing that is I, I, I'm going to end up going down a rabbit hole if, if you ask me a question about it. But he was in the 2022 Monsters movie by Rob Zombie, which mm-hmm. is. Yes. I, I don't know if you do you know about that. Sure do. OK. OK. We sure don't have do. To, we, if we should sure save do. that because I feel like that's a whole thing. <laughs> that the is thing- a that's that's a deep one. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I, I. I can't. I wouldn't watch that. I would watch it with you to talk about it, just to tell people not to watch it. But I even that's a awful. Push. I know him from the Late Shift because I am a like late night TV comedy nerd and uh like historian nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He it was an a, made for HBO movie that from is 96. fantastic. Yes, and it tells the story of when uh, Jay Leno took over The Tonight Show and David Letterman went to CBS. There was an entire whole backstory that was deeper than most people know. It is a great story. I love it so much. But he played uh, he played uh, Jay Leno. 
in that yes, movie. He did a great I'm just job. Seeing it now, and yeah. uh, he was also in Matlock. Yeah, I didn't know that either. And um, then River's Edge with Keanu. Yeah, um, but um, I'm now I have to watch The Late Shift. I think I would love it. Oh my god, it's a great movie. I love that. It's one of my okay. favorites. All right, um, it's on the list. But anyway, I didn't realize. So so to go back because I again I went off on a tangent. Um, so Daniel, so did Daniel Stern potentially leave it? before they started shooting and they did the test with the Dan Robach yeah, so, or okay. Yep. But they hadn't started shooting yet. And, um, they told him six weeks. He was like, yes, I'm in. I love it. He yeah. and Joe Pesci had done something together before and they had great chemistry. And, uh, then when they told him that it was going to end up being an eight week shoot, yeah, he asked if he could get a raise. They said no. And so he was like, I felt like my pride told me that like, you know, like I have to, you know, I can't do this. So he quit. Yeah. And then Joe Pesci was like, adamant about dan robach and him having no chemistry like yeah and then uh sounds like joe pesci was a little bit of a dick but yeah. uh they listened to him and honestly i can't imagine anyone better for these roles than the two of them and yeah. i don't know if you've noticed but this past year and i tried like hell not that we had anywhere to go we took our nieces and nephews trick-or-treating but yeah. i tried like hell to get Henry to be the wet bandits this year because I'm a lot shorter than him and chubby and he is tall and skinny and I thought we could kill it. But so many people, that was like one of the most popular costumes for people over the age of 20 this year was the wet bandits. Yeah. Really? Which is what they call themselves if you have been living under a rock for the past 25 years and just came out of your Encino man coma. Well, they, they call themselves in the first one in the second and they call themselves in the first one because what they do is they flood the houses Yes. They when they rob the houses, they like stick rags in the sink and turn it on and just let the houses flood. They were the wet bandits. And the second one, Marv says he he creates a uh, <laughs> tape hand with like sticky glue on the outside and says he's oh gonna be the gosh. sticky bandits. That is so funny. I you know I just realized we haven't said what this movie was about. So if you again, if you haven't watch this i like i don't know what to tell you but it's about a child essentially who gets forgotten yeah. on his family trip and these people go around to affluent neighborhoods in chicago and try to rob them and these two gentlemen that we're talking about play the people that are breaking into these houses and robbing them and then flooding them out and again if you needed to hear that i don't ever want to be your friend yeah. and i don't like you but um when you watch it were you a huge john candy fan I am a huge John Candy fan, like diehard John Candy fan. And this whole movie idea about writing this movie for Macaulay Culkin came because he was in Uncle Buck, another John Hughes classic. And he said, I'm going to I'm going to write a movie specifically for him, for Macaulay Culkin around this child, which is well, it was that scene. It's yeah. that one scene when um, Macaulay, Culkin, is he, a, he is alone at home at that point, right? Where in, in, in Uncle Buck, where. He's looking through the mail slot, talking yeah. to someone, like coming over to the house and asking for ID and stuff. And then that just spurred John Hughes's like brain into like creating an entire character just and movie wrote around this that. in a weekend. Like that is I, I know we talked about this in <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but he was like, yeah, I'd write from like Thursday to Sunday and I'd, I'd write a whole script. Yeah. It took me it's two in, hours insane. to write the notes for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we will never, I mean, we'll never be as good as John Hughes when, when it comes to, to that kind of stuff. Anything? Like he, he's on another level. That he's on another level. Alone, that mullet yeah. alone? 
Yeah, that, that mullet was something, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> a thing John of beauty. And something I'm very excited to talk about with this movie. Um, well, obviously, we can talk about the, you know, how they shot this movie and all the yeah. drama behind this movie almost didn't get made and all that. But Christopher Columbus ended up directing this movie. Mm-hmm. Personal Christopher Columbus fan, because as most of you that listen to this that know me know, I am a huge Harry Potter nerd. And he essentially created the world of Harry Potter in film and directed the first Two Harry Potter movies. Yeah. And I love him. Well, even funnier is the fact that I think he was supposed to, um, this came up and I want to say, and now I got to check my notes here too. He was supposed is, to do National Lampoons and he yes. and Chevy Chase didn't get along. <laughs> yeah. And so was this, was, did he get this because he didn't do Christmas Vacation or? Yes. So John Hughes was like, okay, he made a really shitty movie before this, Christopher Columbus, not John Hughes. And he really liked uh, Christopher Columbus. He's like, I want to give him a movie to help launch his career back in the right direction. So of the two scripts, you know, he wrote in two weekends, because as you do, uh, this Christmas, John or Christopher Columbus is obsessed with Christmas. So he was really excited to do a Christmas movie. So he gave John Hughes, gave him the opportunity, said National Lampoon is going to really help get your career back where it needs to be. And uh, he and Chevy Chase did not get along. And so he was like, I can't do this. And then he said to John Hughes, like, I can't do this. And at the same time, John Hughes is like, you can't do this. Yeah. And he felt really bad. And yeah. Christopher Columbus is like, I thought I was going to have to go back to screenwriting and figure it out. And then yeah. John Hughes was like, why don't you check out this other Christmas movie that I did? And he loved it. Yeah. Well, for context, right? Because I feel like we should we should. um explain a little bit of Chris, Chris Columbus, because this guy um, is pretty much the director or, or writer, if you want to put it that way too, mm-hmm. behind um, multiple generations of childhoods. So he was a writer on uh, Gremlins. Uh, he was a writer on the Goonies, um, young Sherlock Holmes. If you, anyone remembers that. And then he, his first directorial debut was adventures in babysitting. Which is, oh my God, one of my favorites. Um, I I was just going to say, embarrassed, I'm not embarrassed to say, but that was one of my favorite movies when I was younger. And I always felt like I wasn't allowed to watch it. So I would sneak it when it came on. Like, you know, that was a Saturday afternoon staple in the early 90s. It would be on like whatever the channel was that would show movies all day. And it'd be like, yes, I'm going to watch this all day. Um, Also really funny, I didn't realize that was him in there. Uh, Anthony Rapp was in that, um, who... A lot like it's really funny. I, I he, people tell like, you know, I mentioned him. He was he was um he was the one who he was uh one of the accusers for uh what's his name? Why can't I remember his name? Probably because he's been out of Hollywood for a couple of years. I can't remember his name. Um oh man, I'm having a blank. Harvey Weinstein? No, not Harvey Weinstein. Uh, Kevin guess. Spacey. How oh, oh Kevin Spacey. Um I didn't realize I was, he was, he always looked familiar to me and I was like, I can never put, I was like, there's something else. They would always credit him with being quote unquote, like the actor from uh, one of the star Trek TV shows, whatever. Oh. Um, but I was like, I knew him from something else. Um, but anyway, back to Chris Columbus. So adventures in babysitting, great movie there. Um, by the way, just not before we leave the eighties, um, let's never Gremlins, leave the eighties gremlins. I actually, which we have to do an entire other episode on cause my dog it, looks it, like one. It's the best. It's yeah. And it's technically technically it's a Christmas movie. Um, 
but the story behind the second one is bananas and one of my favorite Hollywood stories of all time. And we, we have to do an episode on that. Oh, okay. Point. Okay. Okay. I don't know the story behind it. So, oh man, I can't wait to reveal it to you. I won't do it okay, here. I'll do it. Great. Eventually. Don't, anyway, don't, don't do it. I want to be um, surprised. The movie I think you're talking about that he did before, uh, before falling off oh, of the Elvis Christmas movie, vacation. right? Heartbreak Hotel, yeah, which he yeah, was a writer yeah. and director for. Yeah, didn't go um, so hot. No. And then he was a writer on the animated movie Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland, which is like a still to this day, like a weird, like a cult hit. Um, okay. And then after Home Alone, that's when things start picking up. He did Only the Lonely with John Candy. Um, he did Home Alone 2, Mrs. Doubtfire, Nine Months, Stepmom, Bicentennial Man. And then he starts doing the Harry Potter movies. The best. Um, that's where I feel like things peak. <laughs> that fair to say he well, he's made so much money off those first two damn movies yeah. that I don't. Yeah, I mean, he could make commercials for, you know, erectile dysfunction at this point and he would yeah. not care. He's he's yeah, I don't think he gets much better than that. Well, he, he starts getting after he did. He did the Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets after that. He started getting into territory of like, so he did Christmas with the Cranks, which was the movie with Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Don't Curtis. Don't hate on it. I love it. I'm not hating on it, but it's I'm good. saying it's don't, not peak. Tom, don't do I'm not I understand hating. it's not peak, but it's okay. good. Okay. If you, uh, well, okay, I will wrote, watch yeah. anything with Christmas in it, so I'm probably not the best person to ask about this. Fair enough. And, and for, to be clear, he wrote and produced it. He didn't direct it. Um, Joe Roth directed that. Then he did, he directed Rent. Right. Okay. Not yes. hating on rent, the director, the, the, the film. Then he does. I love you, Beth Cooper, which is the Hayden Panton diario. I can't move, pronounce yeah. that. It's like one of those like teen comedy kind of things. Huh? Um, then he did Percy Jackson, which that entire series, I think they, I think they hired him to kind of uh, like, Oh, uh, you uh, did uh, Harry I Potter. I love Percy Jackson. And I, know, I will but say <laughs> they did the, they did the movies did it dirty. Okay. They did it dirty. And then he did Pixels, which I I mean, there's no. Yeah, that's uh, and then he and then the last thing he did was uh, which I did see, which was the uh, a Christmas Chronicles. Oh, maybe I only saw the first one. Um, those are Kurt really Russell. good. I really like those. OK, well, he <laughs> I mean, wrote, anything with Christmas, I'm watching it. Yeah. Fair Full enough. disclosure. Um, anyway, that's the last thing that um, he he did. Chris well, Columbus. Had this a was career. pretty good. good for him. He had a yeah. great career. And uh, um. If we're going to get into that kind of stuff, one of the other stories I love about this whole movie is the first movie was um, done. They went to post-production. Mm. They presented the movie to John Hughes and he was like, wow, this is great. But the soundtrack is absolute dog shit and it yeah. does not match the vibe of the movie at all. And Chris Columbus was like, could you imagine if we got John Williams to do the soundtrack and, and the score of this movie? Wouldn't that be incredible? As a joke, like completely joking. Yeah. And if you don't know John Williams, again, we can reference he was on. Oh, he man. wrote the score for Jaws, like Star yeah. Wars, like some of the biggest movies in the world. He's probably one of the greatest composers of our generation and lifetime. Harry Potter. Yeah. He worked with Chris Columbus on Harry Potter. But uh, they sent him a copy of the script just on an off, you know, shoot like, hey, would you be interested? And he loved it. Mm. And he ended up doing. And Home Alone has one of the best sound, like scores yeah. and soundtracks to the movie. And yeah. and it was John Williams, who is incredible. Yeah. Um, best original score. Um, 
won Academy Award Best Original Score. It for did. This and best ori- and and Best Original Song. Makes sense. Which was somewhere in my memory. Oh, yeah. it's so beautiful. It feels like Christmas. That if I, you know, like you hear a song and it just feels like Christmas, and yeah. it's not. I'm not talking about like you know rocking around the Christmas tree, but just you hear that and you're like, uh, oh yeah, yeah, it's Christmas. Well, well, the other thing too, I was gonna say is I, I gotta I gotta imagine it's um I gotta imagine. What's weird about this too is this is actually like, is this the only, well, I'm, I'm taking a step back. I'm trying to think of this. Is this the only John Hughes Christmas movie? Well, I guess aside from National Lampoon's, Chris, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, right? Yeah. Is there anything else in his repertoire? Oh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Is that Christmas or Thanksgiving? That feels Christmas that to me. I don't know. I love that though. What is he trying to get home for? John it, Hose. I thought it was Christmas? Thanksgiving for some reason. You are correct. That's a that is converse. That is a That's controversy. Right. It's a controversy. <laughs> he is trying to get home to have dinner for a Thanksgiving dinner with his family. Yes, that's the planes, trains, and automobiles. It is a Thanksgiving movie, Thanksgiving. not a Christmas movie. End of end of story. Once you get to November first, you can't watch that movie anymore. It's over. I understand that. <laughs> I respect that. I'm okay with it. Um, was Beethoven Which, a Christmas movie? It is to me. Is it? Well, Do they celebrate again. Christmas. Do they get the dog for Christmas? Um, yeah, I think that was it. I don't think there's anything else under the John Hughes umbrella that might have been Christmas. Mo- Christmas. Anyway, um, we're getting. I keep pulling us away from the actual topic. Um, it's fine. We can always. This is what we do. We can get ten podcasts out of this. <laughs> um. So the first one, one of my favorite parts of watching uh, the behind the scenes and all the story about it was, first of all, it almost didn't get made because they, yeah, yeah, they pitched it and they said, we can do this for 10 million bucks. And what they did, John Hughes loves to shoot in Chicago. So the school that he used for Ferris Bueller's Day Off and uh, there's another movie he used it for, uh, Uncle Buck. It's a school location Mm -hmm. that he used for both of those movies. It was completely abandoned. And he was like, okay, we can use this as a soundstage. They walked in. Right. They built the entire interior of the house mm-hmm. in the gymnasium. Yeah. In the pool, and, right? Was it was this the one the where they did the pool? Was the basement. Okay. And they yeah. flooded the basement when the wet bandits flooded the basement. Yeah. They used it in the pool because they're like, oh, this is perfect. It's gonna if we yeah. did it in the gym, it's gonna leak everywhere. But in the pool, right. obviously, it the pool was completely dry because there's no yeah. one there. And originally they had a ten million dollar budget and uh, Warner Brothers was like, yes, you can do it for 10 mil. Let's do it. Yeah. Absolutely. And then they started to realize, okay, it might go a little bit more. And they were like, we can do this for like $14.7 million, which yeah. in the world of movies is not yeah. that much over. It's like kind of a blip. No. And Warner Brothers was like, eh, if you can't get it to 13.5, we're out. And they're yeah. like, well, we can't. Sorry. And Warner Brothers was like, okay, we're out. But during this time, yeah. little Mr. Genius John Hughes was meeting with um fox and was like 20th century fox and they were like i could make that movie for 14.7 millions easy yeah and so behind the scenes they were like okay we know we're gonna get fired from warner brothers don't tell anyone and yeah. warner brothers were such dicks they came in that day and they were like okay it's over to every single office yeah. making the movie they're like bye 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 it's over and a yeah. staff member that knew behind them was like it's a fox movie now it's not over it's a fox movie yeah. now it's not over yeah. all the whole <laughs> the whole way i mean yeah. it worked out well, even crazier to me, right, is I'm, I'm going back and I'm, I was I was trying to take a look, too. But like. 
John Hughes had bounced around studio to studio, but all of his movies were hits. And I know a lot of them have like since in like over the years become a little bit more popular and become like staples and things. But like, you know, Uncle Buck was which was the the last one before this um, was that was done over at Universal Studios, Universal Pictures, Um, Trains, Planes and Automobiles was was done at Paramount. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off was done at Paramount. So it's not like he had some track records, even like some kind of wonderful, which was a couple years earlier, was also Paramount. So it's not like he had some like bad track record where they're like, oh, I don't know, you're kind of an unknown, you know, inflating budget. Like this guy had almost at that point, most of the 80s decade under his belt with yeah. like multiple hits as either a writer, producer, director or some combination, um, including The Breakfast Club. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. Um, Which which is what's bananas about it, too, is I don't think through the years he ever worked with Warner Brothers. And then the first time they have a chance to work with him, they're like, eh, whatever. Cut our losses Uh, on Home Alone. (laughs) That's the one they chose to be like, eh, the one that has grossed almost a billion dollars. And it's so funny, too, because the first weekend it came out, Siskel and Ebert, who back then, again, we're probably dating ourselves, but Siskel and Ebert were like the tell all. Like if your movie was going to make it, Siskel and Ebert had to give it two thumbs up. Yeah. And they were like, no, this is trash and we hate it. And it was releasing the same weekend as Rocky Five. Yeah. And they're like, Rocky Five is going to destroy this movie. It grossed 17 million its first weekend which back then is nutso and it would it ended up being number one for 14 freaking yeah. weeks in a row that's insane yeah. well even funnier too and i'm trying to pull it up here I, I, yeah so it was released in mid-november right as a holiday which for the amount yeah. of time this lasted it was actually pretty good because you you i feel like now they don't really do christmas movies now they're just like for television um but even if they did or wanted to like I feel like they would just throw it in December or early December not even like go back as far as November anyway um but what I was going to ask you because I feel like maybe you might know the answer to this is do you know when they decided to do a sequel like did they know leading up to the release that this was going to be as good as it was or did they I don't think they. I remember um they said that they thought if they did eight million the first weekend they were going to be like ecstatic blown away yeah. pumped with it so i'm assuming probably someone with it were in within that because macaulay culkin was nine when they first started shooting home alone and they shot it for eight weeks but then home alone 2 he was 12 yeah. so and that in he said he wanted to do home alone 2 and 3 at the exact same time because macaulay culkin was getting older yeah and the studio kind of shut it down because it would obviously have been a massive budget yeah. but uh one of my other favorite facts is Macaulay Culkin was paid $110,000 to do the first movie. By the time the second movie was made, he was paid $4.5 million. Yeah. Which is nuts. So that's insane. John Candy in the first movie, Mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite stories. Oh, he came as a favor to John Hughes. Like he was paid less than the pizza boy that comes to the door and he only shot for one day. He's like, I'll give you one day of shooting. And, apparently John Hughes, I think we talked about this in Ferris Bueller is known for like, you stick to the script. We want you to stick to the script unless I tell you not to stick to the script. And with John Candy, he was like, let him do whatever he wants. So the whole, the almost the whole John Candy day, he shot for 23 hours straight 
was yeah. 100% improv. Like the whole Kenosha kickers and yeah. the polka, polka, polka. It was like all improv. And they said yeah. like Catherine O'Hara was like trying so hard not to laugh the whole time because it was just John Candy ridiculousness. Yeah. And then he didn't come back for the sequel because they weren't going to pay him, right? Yeah. 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 So poor, poor John Candy. Poor. Yeah. I mean, he's okay. Although, yeah, I mean, look, it's one of those things, too, where it's like, I love John Candy, but at the same time, too, it's like, where were we going to, like, what was he going to, like, be the way she finds her way back to New York then to go get her son? Yeah, agreed. And I mean, little things like, you know, because he was so obsessed with everything being on paper, I feel like John Candy's like, I'll do this for you, but, like, I'm not, like, I I want to improv. It was probably, like, his whole thing. And then... um. The only other thing that was improv in the first movie is when Kevin McAllister like pats his face with the aftershave. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to just pat his face and move on, but he held his hands there and that was not on script. And at first they were going to like tell him like, no, 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 you have to. And then they saw it and they're like, okay, we'll leave it in. And it ended up yeah. being like the most famous scene yeah. in the movie. <laughs> kids being kids for all the money he made for the sequel and everything that he does. He basically has nothing to show for it. Poor, poor, I know. uh, poor I know. If we should talk about the second one, even though is this yeah. your favorite or not your favorite? Uh, the second one is my favorite. Uh, okay, even to oh, this day. Okay, all right. Yeah, I would. I would. I mean, because the thing is, like, I think the first one is 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 a it's a good movie, right? I mean, it's a classic, right? All those things sets up everything, but there's something to Kevin being like completely fish out of water, out in literally like an entirely different land of New York city. And even the way New York city is portrayed, I mean, uh, <laughs> I still, to this day, you know, like, uh, well, you know, I, I mean, I, I literally live on running around with making movie and TV references and all, you know, the whole like cab driver, but like, ain't much better in here, kid, like still reference <laughs> that to this day. Um, and, and I have a weird, again, maybe being like a New Yorker my whole life, like there is a New York is portrayed in so many different lights in all these different movies and TV shows over the years. And so there's a version of New York. I mean, I, I we didn't, we never, we never covered Ghostbusters, but one of my favorite things not about the yet. Ghostbuster, not yet. Um, one of my favorite things about Ghostbusters is the way New York is a character in the movie, right? Like, like it's so understated. And, and when people talk about why the first one is so great and even the second one and why it can't be portrayed again, the way it was is because right, because New York had this, like nobody gives a shit attitude. It's that combined with ghosts combined with just them being random exterminators, just doing like grunt work that, New York plays a character, right? And so, like, even in this, what I loved about it, too, is that, first off, you cannot see New York City, the New York City skyline from JFK. Let me just tell everyone that right now who's never been here. Uh, Sad to break your hearts, people, but you can't. Also not from LaGuardia, either. I believe he landed in JFK, right? Yeah. I I think so. You're Um, in Queens, my friends. You are uh, far away. (laughs) Very Um, far away. But there's that like, whoa, New York is so cool. It's this like grandiose place. It's 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 romantic, if you will. And then there's also the part where he gets scared and is like literally running. And it New York can be a scary place to a little kid, right? Be a scary place to adults. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've I've cried from a cab driver once. But that's the thing too, is right. It's like you go back to like his hometown. It's still home turf, right? It's all familiar, with the exception of just being alone. 
Whereas New York is it's alien. And I love that about it. But it's also New York and New York plays a character in the movie. And I love that. Yeah, I think that's that's what I love about it. I don't know if we needed for him to just randomly have an unspoken about relative who has an abandoned, you know, under construction apartment. And then we just relive the first movie again. Although you tell me Harry and Marv getting hit in the head with paint cans versus Kevin chucking bricks off the uh, suck brick kid. That felt like, so New York. Yeah, exactly. I love <laughs> that it. Moment, I was like, yeah, yeah, you're one of us, kid. <laughs> but Harry Marv getting hit with bricks in the head as like Kevin threw him at him was like was a lot funnier to me than just the fun little pink. It was hand. real violent. You know what it was? It was yeah. New York violent. It was That's New York violent. Where, yeah, it was New York violent. And we appreciated that. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. And I also, uh, th- you know, there's so much of the movie, like I said, and it, I have family that grew up in the Bronx and my mom, that's part of her life growing up. And so I didn't know the Manhattan side of New York. Like that didn't yeah. exist to me. I had maybe been there once or twice to see the tree or to me, the city was not Manhattan. The city was my grandparents' apartment on, you know, <laughs> Webster Avenue in the South yeah. Bronx. Yeah. But the majesty of the movie like how magic it felt it made new york feel very magical and i loved the fao schwartz nod which was duncan's toy chest and i loved that if you watch the movie big with tom hanks which is like the best movie ever it made fao schwartz seem so magical and that had that same feeling of like this is pure magic yeah but you know there there was also like i said a level to new york city that i would never attain as a child like his room service bill was $967, and today that would be about $1,800. Oh, I was and curious. Okay. When you, when you, I looked you it said up. that, I was Yeah, like, it was like, yeah. I had the whole list of it. It was, okay, so we ordered two chocolate cakes, six chocolate mousses, vanilla and strawberry ice cream with M&Ms, sprinkles, cherries, nuts, marshmallows, caramel syrup, chocolate syrup, strawberry syrup, whipped cream, and bananas, six custard flans, a pastry cart, eight strawberry tarts, and 36 chocolate-covered strawberries. I wouldn't even know how to order flan. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like that's not He's that's a, not in my brain. Kevin is very cultured. He is. Well, I mean, actually, what's funny enough is that even that big of a bill. <laughs> You're staying at the Plaza Hotel is as a two just under two thousand dollar bill for all of that food. Shocking. No, I don't think no, so. Yeah. But like, could you? I mean, I guess delivering that, I would be like, these people are either high as balls right now, or it is a room full of children. Well, um, also. Who was screaming about it? Was it the dad? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because Buzz All shouts right. him out and was like, yeah, he spent $967 on room service. Well, yeah. I but, mean, the father yeah, can Buzz. chill out. I mean, we all know the father makes bank. He you know? can handle yeah. it. Do you know the story about how they were able to shoot at the Plaza Hotel? Oh, like I the do. contingencies? I do. And I, I, don't, even, I almost yeah, don't want yeah. to talk about it because it is political. <laughs> but <laughs> Donald Trump was like, sure, you can do it. But you have to use... The Plaza Hotel's real phone number, which apparently after the movie it, like came out in theaters, yeah. the reservations went through the roof because people yeah. called that actual number and it was real. But yeah. also I get to make a cameo. Yeah. Like that's that's a non-negotiable. And Chris Columbus is like he like bullied his way into the movie and they thought that they could cut it. But when they yeah. did the screening, a bunch of people from New York, they did the screening in New York City. People like cheered for him. Which, yeah. Back when he was just like a caricature. When he was just a, yeah, when he was just that guy. Also, um, I was going to say, apparently last year there was a petition to edit it out 
No, I did not know that. Oh, you didn't know this. And no. actually, as a matter of fact, in other countries, this I knew is that there were in, um, I forget where it was. Maybe it was in Canada. Someone was watching it on like basic cable and realized that they cut that scene. The, the cat, the, they cut that scene of Trump. Really? Cameo. Yeah. And then there was a petition to like, just edit it out. And then, uh, Macaulay Culkin <laughs> responded in support of it. And apparently there was a, um, a push from fans to just like replace it with CGI and an older version of Macaulay Culkin. So just have Macaulay Culkin be like down the hall and to the left, you know, and just do that entire thing. And then just like superimpose him instead of Trump into that, uh, into that scene, which we could do with technology now. We so. absolutely can. I mean, Macaulay yeah. Culkin did the Google home commercial, didn't he? Or it was like That's Google right. something. He did, yeah. He did. And yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. Did you have, this is like probably my favorite thing about the second movie. Like there's yeah. many things. I yep. love that Rob Schneider's in it. I love that Tim Curry's in it. Yes. I love that they give a nod to Tim Curry who played Pennywise. Um, no, so, wait, yeah. no. You didn't no, know this? that's not what that was. Wait, what were you going to say? Because I think, I think I have alternate oh. facts. <laughs> okay, great. I hope you do yeah. because this is something I've thought for like, I, I don't know. I saw a YouTube video a while ago about okay. it. But the blow up thing in the shower oh, is a blow okay. up pennywise so clown i didn't realize that well because it the version that he's in came out in what 89 right the year before yes yeah okay yeah i didn't i, I that's not what i thought you were gonna say i thought you were gonna say the oh, smile oh no i did not the smile he gives yeah um which because in in the in the movie he does that like real evil smile which is like the Grinch and then it superimposes the Grinch over his face and fades into it where it's the same Grinch uh, smile um, that wasn't intended. And apparently they said to like, just give like sort of this like devious smile. And he had a friend, he worked with another actor who had the smile like that. And he just tried to emulate that smile. But That's then amazing. Later on, they were just like, Oh, it looks like the Grinch. And so they just superimposed it. That is incredible, but I was going to say my like my favorite thing about this movie and it, the way that it had a chokehold on my sisters and I was the talk boy. Yes. And that I know. that whole thing that toy did not exist. John Hughes yeah. created that toy yeah. and worked with Tiger Electronics to create the toy just for the movie and then had yeah. it released the exact same time as the movie's released and I remember I got it for Christmas that year and it was Oh, man. Fucking incredible. I got the pen <laughs> and I got the original talk boy and the way that I would record my parents conversations yeah. and like I would record everything. I thought I was an undercover journalist. It was yeah. amazing. I had a, a friend of mine had it and he would walk around with it taking. Yeah. Like detective esque notes. You oh, know, so good. Uh, You know, talking into his recorder, talking about, you know, like gathering information and intel and stuff yeah the talk boy was a thing i never had it um i'm so parents sorry. let me down i know do you want me I, to hear your i'll heal your inner child and buy you one off ebay <laughs> <laughs> you know how many times i've like thought about going back and like finding stuff i'm like oh man that that thing i didn't have as a kid or that thing i did have a kid is that no one remembers and going back and buying it for my kid even though he would have no care whatsoever about it because it's it's not something i'm gonna cool i'm gonna lay one on you right now again i'm going off script here but um do you remember, I mean, th this is probably the greatest memory of my childhood and the way, I mean, my sisters, my sister and I have talked about spending hundreds of dollars to purchase this. Yeah. It was the robot that came with cassette tapes. It was like 2XL or something. 2XL. Oh my God. Oh my yeah. God. And I, what, 
still to this day, the technology of when you would choose the right answer, or the wrong answer, yep. and it would know and it would change the dialogue about whether yeah. you got it right or wrong. That was one of the greatest toys of my childhood. I'm convinced. I love to excel. Um, it was remarkable. It was it was preparing yeah. us for pub trivia. Fun fact about the movie that yeah. we should be talking about before yeah. we talk about 90s toys for an hour. Did you know this? All the kids in the toy store scene got to keep a toy. Well, that's cool. They got to like pick it, but it came out of their salary. I thought it was really cool <laughs> until I read at the end. It was like all the kids got to leave with a toy, but the amount of the toy that they chose was deducted from their salary. What in the fuck? Let me just say something. <laughs> my son, my, so my son has gotten into acting this year, right? And he's oh done God, some background work. He is SAG eligible. Like he's up there, right? He's, what? He's, he, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. He's always going to be cooler than we are. You know that, right? Like absolutely. since he was two. He's in like the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and some other stuff. But what? So yeah, he'll he'll get to. Yeah. You didn't know this? No. Oh, we should talk more other than this podcast. We're but anyway. related by marriage and I know none of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, the whole point is. The idea of him being on set of a movie and then him getting to play with toys, but then getting to choose his toy and then have it deducted from his salary is a little that you can do that to kids. Yeah, that's awful. I don't know. Like that's when I read that, I was like, what the fuck? That's so bad. Dick holes. Because at that point, it's like, oh, here's a toy. By the way, you kind of worked for free or for that toy. But also it's like, what kid's going to be like, oh, no, I don't want the toy. I'll just take the money. Like no one's going to do that. I, I mean, my parents would be yeah. like, she doesn't want it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the other fact that I read was that they have a live like Kevin package at the plaza where it includes a complimentary ice cream sundae and a 25th anniversary backpack with all the Home Alone DVDs. I don't know if that still happens. Maybe that was in the 90s, but they did have a, a live like Kevin package. Imagine all the little rich New York City shithead children that were like i want to do a live like kevin package for my birthday at the plaza hotel i'm gonna i'm gonna read it off can i read it please it do. is still on the plaza website it is no still way. available no it, it is, is absolutely still available oh my god um i know what i'm doing for my birthday. uh get lost in new york kevin McAllister style through the whimsical offer guests of the new celebrity dig dang dong staying at the world-renowned plaza hotel can live out all of kevin's dreams by recreating some of their favorite iconic scenes from the popular 90s film home alone 2 lost in new york start your experience with an exciting four-hour private limousine ride around new york city to visit the famous filming locations from the movie including the empire state building rockefeller center central park carnegie hall and radio city music hall of course no limousine ride would be complete without your very own delicious hot cheese pizza to savor while you relive kevin's famous limo pizza scene after you visited all the sightseeing locales Kevin saw and returned to your room with, quote, one of those little refrigerators you have to open with a key, make yourself cozy with your extra large bed, Kevin style, and call down for your over-the-top ice cream sundae delivered right to your bed. Two scoops, make it three, you're not driving. So it okay. says the package includes limousine ride around New York City, visiting those locations, which I already mentioned. Hey. The, the limo ride is not a guided tour. <laughs> So I can just imagine just some for four yeah. hours. They're going three <laughs> blocks. Like, are you kidding me in a limo? You're not moving, my friend. For those that don't know New York City. So the Plaza Hotel is at the south end of Central Park, the southwest side of, of Central Park. So then it's going to drive you down to rock. Like, I guess, past Rockefeller Center, past the Empire State Building. You're already right next to Central Park. I guess they'll just make a loop around at some point going back and then Carnegie Hall and Radio City Music Hall, which is at Rockefeller Center. Spoiler alert. 
So it's not really going that far. I guess it has to go all the way down to Carnegie Hall and just make a loop. But it's also, I love the fact that it's not a guided tour. So they're just going to drive you past those locations. It's like for four the, hours. The, the limo <laughs> driver is so going to put those points on an, on a, you know, Waze, <laughs> on Waze app. Yeah. And then just like drive you around in a circle. So it includes the limo ride, a large cheese pizza for that limo ride. And then the Home Alone Sunday, which they mark this as the, here. 16 scoops of assorted ice cream, whipped cream, maraschino cherries, M&Ms, brownie bits, chocolate, caramel, and raspberry sauce. The offer is available year-round, subject to availability. (laughs) Rates depend on your room type, and it says they need three days in advance to book it. Um, but it I is must absolutely know available. the prices on this. I for the next next time we record, I will mm. be calling for research purposes, right. and I will update yeah. everyone because this is. I mean, you've got to be a real fan in yeah. 2022 to be like, I want the Kevin McAllister package. <laughs> no, 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 no! You're missing it. You have to call using your Talkboy and do that. You're right. Yeah. Oh my god! I bet you it's my parents' attic. Actually, I don't know. Yeah. My mom's a bit of a hoarder, so maybe Reddit she likes card. to save everything. You got it. <laughs> um, one of uh, like I mean, obviously Tim Curry in this movie, by the way, is like just perfection. I yeah. love, love, loved him. Uh, but the pigeon lady, we have to talk about the pigeon lady, and she was based off Mary Poppins, right? Yes. Before you do, by the way, I actually okay, have an yes. answer on on how much the package costs. Guess <gasps> okay. how, you want to guess how much it costs. Okay, so how many? How much occupancy is this for? This is for their regular guest room. So you're not even getting the the suite, right? I, I'll give you. I can give you the the range how it would be from like just a regular guest room all the way up to the to the suite package. I'm gonna but, start um, at, and this is a one night situation, right? Yes, five hundred to twenty two hundred. Oh man, you gotta you gotta raise your expectations here. So um I'll oh, give it to you. So just the baseline Plaza King bed, which isn't even again far from the room Kevin had, at the bottom range, you're looking at two thousand eight hundred seventy dollars a night, not holy Santa taxes. Claus shit. I clear like clearly have never stayed at the yes. Plaza Hotel, people. Now if you want the full experience, right? You want the full fledged one bedroom suite like Kevin had. Now you're looking at five thousand two hundred and twenty dollars a night. So my God. And by the way, hey, wait, I want to throw this out there. It's available year round and your wedding is coming up. So, you know, for uh, your uh, honeymoon. Yeah. I couldn't get Henry to sp- <laughs> spend five grand for us to go to Bali. You think he's going to spend it to go to the city? We'd be sleeping in your apartment before we stayed there. Well, I mean, maybe this is actually even better than Kevin's room. Now that I'm thinking about this too, because it because the the one bedroom suite includes butler service. Did he have butler service? No. Yeah, wasn't that what Tim Curry was? No, I thought he was just like the manager. If anything, well, yeah, no, uh, he was like yeah, the, no, yeah. you're right. Yeah. So maybe because what was Rob Schneider then? He, he was, was just bellboy. Like the crew, just the bellboy. Bell yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So let's knock it down. No, right? I'm we'll still down not the, doing that. I still well, no, think no, it's insanity. <laughs> Well, there's the junior king suite, right? That's only thirty six hundred junior you know, one bedroom regular suite, not the legacy suite, is uh four thousand. So I mean, you can you can anywhere between just around three thousand to five thousand, you hmm. can, you can do that for one single okay. night. That's so. so lovely. I can't wait until we we're gonna yeah. book this, guys. For uh, can we talk about uh one year anniversary party, and we will <laughs> record from the Kevin McAllister suite. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be lovely. Um, yeah. So, um, but okay. That's yes. Uh, the, the pigeon lady. Uh, I love who scared her. scared me as a child. 
Yeah. She did. Yeah. Oh, like, I grew up poor, so I think I was like, oh, I could be related to that nice homeless lady. No, she scared me and I and I was like, oh, the pigeon poop is everywhere. Like, why would she want that? Like that woman is would be very much sick if she was surrounded by pigeons and pigeon. She's crap. unhinged in the yeah. real world. Yeah. She's got issues. And uh she's the person after you've had carmines, if you're a, a tourist in the city, you give yeah. her your leftovers. She's poor lady. She was unhinged. But yeah. I love one thing I do love about these movies is um I am always rooting for the like the misunderstood underdog yeah. character that everyone thinks awful like in the first movie the nice old man whose kid isn't talking to him and in this movie you've got like the combo of the pigeon lady and also the nice man at the toy store who i'm pretty sure is like a magical santa elf of some sort like he's an angel sent from above i loved him so i love that those characters exist because i am all about like i said before anything christmas i love the sweet feels and the pigeon lady gave me the sweet feels i was like oh don't make i hate when people make fun of other people in movies like that. I felt bad for her yeah. to your point, like the neighbor from the first movie, like despite the stories from buzz and everything, even like, even you were like, yeah, you know, he didn't kill anyone. He's still like a grimacing old man who I'm like, I don't, why would you engage with that man? Just put your head down and walk past him without engaging whatsoever. We don't need to, we don't need to talk. Sometimes um, I'm so shocked that I've made it to 35 because I am. Even when I was a child, I was like, yeah. look at that poor murdery looking man. I'm going to go give him a hug. <laughs> I can't, I can't believe I've man. made it this far. I yeah. can't believe I've made it this far. Um, one of the, uh, I watched a YouTube video video on this and the pigeon scene where um, Marvin Harry get attacked by all the pigeons. They trained 300 pigeons and then they covered themselves in birdseed. And one of the pigeons flew into Marv's mouth to get a seed that fell into his mouth. And he said it was the most disgusting, awful experience of his life. <laughs> I can imagine. Like one, I, so I, gross. I, one pigeon is enough, much less 300. And on top of that, too, the poor Marv, uh, uh, Daniel Stern has dealt with that, the, 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 the tarantula on his face in the first one. Oh, he yeah. Has, he had some cracks. I mean... I'll be, I hope he got some, as they say in the biz, I hope he got some points on the movie because to deal with that and then just have to like get your paycheck and go home. Like even after all these years, it's like, I hope this guy's still like the stunt people in these movies have to be just like another level. I remember reading something about that fall that Harry does where he's walking up the front steps in the first movie and he like falls straight up in the air and then flat on his back. (laughs) That is now referred to as the home alone in the stunt world when they need you to go up in the air and be like horizontal to the ground and fall. That's the home alone. And I remember reading that like this, that the first movie changed the way that uh, stunts were done on movies because it was so Chris Columbus was like, after every stunt, it's not a funny day for us. Like we all would look at each other and be like, is he okay? Like it was a very somber, scary thing for stunts (laughs) made me laugh. But yeah, well, I was going to say too, um, just recently, um, Joe Pesci did a interview or like a, he did an interview over email talking about because i think it's the we're actually at the anniversary year for um uh i forget how many years it's been being on time here look at that um because this came out in 92 90 what year did this come out uh the second one um the uh home alone 2 lost in new york came out november 20th 1992 it's been i don't want to count how many years it's been um but out of that, Joe Pesci did like a email interview. I think it was like with people or something. The one thing he mentioned in there that I don't think anyone had known before is that on uh, two, 
is when there's that scene where like his head gets lit on fire, right? Like he opens the door and there's like the blowtorch that like blows his blows fire on his yes. head. Um, yeah. Apparently he actually got hurt from that. Apparently, um, you know, for whatever reason, or uh, he didn't add a lot of context to it. So now people are speculating, mm-hmm. but um, uh, apparently he got some, some degree burns um, from, from that stunt that he did on his own. But uh, apparently, you know, the rest of the stunts, obviously he held it, gave it off to the stunt people. But for that one, he did get burned. That's awful. That's yeah. so awful. I mean, now, of course, nowadays, all if that was like something like that, they needed to film, they would just be, CGI they would just put the fire in afterwards but um yeah they probably set him up with like a fireproof hat and just had him do it and you can see like that scene is is so coordinated because he like sticks his head in and it lights on fire and he stands very very still but apparently you know it it got him a little bit somewhere so he got some I mean I wouldn't do it yeah (laughs) so he's a better man than me yeah but um so uh I guess to to bring it full circle to to wrap tie a bow on it and uh um yeah which one which one did you like better i mean i think we kind of did that in the beginning um well um one thing i did forget to say that i really love is because christopher columbus is so obsessed with christmas yeah in both movies there's a scene from um it's a wonderful life playing in both movies because he loves christmas so much and i love that because it's one of the best movies ever created yeah um but i I mean i i feel like i'm just i love the first the first one feels so much more nostalgic to me than the second one does. I yeah. love both of them, but the first one is the one that when someone says home alone, I think of that one first. Yeah, I get that. And and funny enough, too, is like I forget how long they waited because the because uh, the first one came out in 90. Right. And um, by February of 91 um, is uh, am I getting the dates right by the way there too? I'm just I'm trying to know. think of it. Now that you're saying that is so insane to me because I felt like I was around for the release. I was four years yeah. old if it came yeah. out in ninety. So um the first one came out November nineteen ninety. Uh yeah. two months later or three months later, uh two months later, let's call it, um John Hughes had finished writing the second film, and that's when he signed an overall deal with with 20th Century Fox to keep going with them because obviously oh, that Warner one came out in 92. Exactly right. So the, I, and I yeah. remember um, because it was a 20th Century Fox film. I remember like, you know, Fox after, you know, uh, Fox afternoons or Fox Saturday mornings or whatever they had um, some behind the scenes of them filming and they filmed Home Alone 2 during the summer. I remember that in New York and they were like literally spraying fake snow around New York city to film those scenes. Um, and the movie came out the following year. So it was a, it was a pretty quick turnaround for like a, Oh wow, we have some, something big on our hands here. So I love that you, I mean, it, it's funny too. Cause like growing up, I used to love ghostbusters two more than ghostbusters, the original. And I think I've since come around to being like, all right, I get the, the nuance and the, and the excitement and fun of that. But it doesn't, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I was, uh, too blindsided by the glossy, you know, commercialization of, of properties back then. But, um, I'll, I'll still stick by my, I I don't dislike the first one, but I think I still stick by the, the second one as being like, maybe it's cause we can see ourselves in each of them. Like I, I grew up out here in, in the stickety sticks and you grew up in the city. So it was more realistic for me to be defending my home, which oh, I don't, 
I know this is going to blow your mind, did not look like that. Yeah. Um, and for you to be in New York City. So maybe that's why. Yeah. And for what it's worth, I don't think like uh, a, there's other movies I would I would have a have a very different perspective of where I'd be like, oh, man, how do you not think this one's better? This is one where I'm like, they're so evenly matched in my mind. They're not they're so closely matched that. But for me, I'm just like, yeah, part two puts it over the top because we get past like we already know who the characters are. We know, we know all that. And then, you know, there's there's, you know, he has a talk boy and he goes to a hotel and he oh, runs around a toy store like all the the, the extra fun dream. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Um, I will have to watch both with my my kid and see which one he likes better because now he's I was gonna, grown up going yeah. to before yeah. we recorded this. But because it is uh, my partner's favorite movie franchise other than Jurassic Park, I had to, you know, respect the fact that we will be watching these probably closer to Christmas as we do every single yeah. year. So, yeah. Are there like drinking games now or anything for, for Home Alone or anything? You know, as I just said that, and I can't believe you just said that, because um, usually what we do is we're like, we'll watch Home Alone 1 and then Home Alone 2 right after. And then we start drinking yeah. cocktails during Home Alone 1. And by the time Home Alone 2 comes around, we're either so goddamn fucking drunk, we can't watch Home Alone 2 or we both fall asleep. And so I think in the past, you know, 12 years of us doing this, I've probably seen the first 35 minutes of Home Alone 2 many a yeah. time. And, uh, you know. That's where I get to it. Yeah. So maybe that's why I'd be drinking games. That was going to say, have you always drunk, uh, drank before going into home alone two, even as a kid? Maybe that's, maybe that's why you don't like it. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> makes a whole lot. Although my, my, my mom is not much of a drinker and my dad's basically smoked pot every single day of his life, yeah. uh, since he was 12 years old. So probably they were feeding me edibles or something. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. That's more likely. I feel like this doesn't feel I, I, I'm I don't feel like this is a movie that would be something where I'd be like, oh, man, this would be this would be enjoyable, drunk or unedibles or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, I'll, it just I'll feels do some Christmassy. research. We'll put it on. I will be yeah. honest with you. We'll put it on when we're decorating for Christmas and it's yeah. like really good background. And then, you know, we're having cocktails and decorating yeah. our massive one bedroom apartment with Christmas decorations. But we, you know, it's it's. I don't know. It just feels like I have to do it every year. It's like one yeah. of those things like I personally have to watch Love Actually every year. Yeah. It's just like a non-negotiable. And I have to watch Home Alone. Yeah. All of one and half of two, apparently. <laughs> that's, in your, that's, that's, in your that's, story, he just lives in the hotel forever. And that, that, that's for that always. Theme. That's yeah. it. His parents with left, a talk boy in hand. Yeah. His parents were like, ah, oh, whatever. We got rid of him. You know, someone should re-edit the movie, too, just for fun to like make it where like they are trying to get rid of him and be like, Oh, wow. Well, so yeah. good. So dark, but yeah. so good. I feel like you could probably re-edit the movie between, if you, if you take a combination of part one and part two and like re-edit it, you can make a fun, different story out of it. New idea. Law and order. We get a yeah. law and order episode where he's uh -huh. like a missing child. And we, <laughs> we use the nineties <laughs> law and order cast to try and help solve this mystery of this child. Yeah, 90s Law and Order was was cool. So good. I'm an SVU fan, but 90s Law and Order, do it yeah. up. Um, we have we we definitely have more uh holiday movies to get through before absolutely we reach the end of the year, and then we got to figure out where then then this podcast has to take a whole different turn as we get into the new year because we have to figure out what else what else we're going to fresh. 
Yeah. Freshly fresh. Maybe we'll do Ghostbusters. Maybe we'll do uh what was the TV show I mentioned we have we I wanted to do? Um We have to do community. We have to do community. I didn't realize we didn't do You community. said you had to do that one, and then there yeah. was nothing. you did say another one too. I mentioned I mean, one here. So many. Let's rewind. Which one? Figure it out. I don't know. I mentioned it during this podcast and I already forgot what it was. We'll figure it out. I would like to do New Girl. Yes. Um, New Girl. Well, I mean, if you're listening to this, we do have an Instagram account. So if you yes. want to send us suggestions, we will gladly take them. Absolutely. Suggestions are always welcome. And by the way, speaking My of which- one friend suggested The Witcher, and that was before the Henry Cavill recasting yeah. happened. And he did. I've seen him since then. And he was like, please don't do The Witcher now. Oh, he has out. He has come out and said that. Oh yeah, he's no longer part of the Witcher franchise. It is um, one yeah, of the that I works. knew. I knew that. Yeah. I just didn't know that he actually came out and said like, yeah, I don't. It's because I don't agree with the direction of the show going. And I believe, yeah, because he is a diehard. Again, I'm taking this from my friend Eric, who is a big Witcher fan. Shout out to you, Eric. Uh, has said that you know he's kind of a, a purist when it comes to the Witcher books and yeah. um, they start to deviate from that. And yeah. I've also heard rumors that it's because he's going to be coming back as Superman and all these yeah. other things. But um, so the Witcher's off the table. Um, I was going to say, before we get out of here, I, just, I, I did want to thank you. Um, you, the last episode uh, of this podcast was, I was, I was not present for it. And my wife filled in and did a fantastic job. I think uh, I she think did amazingly. It, it was amazing. It's been actually one of my favorite episodes because I'm not in it. <laughs> what? Shut your face. No, but, it's just uh, fun. You know, she did great. And because Dale and I have always had a mutual love and obsession with, with Gilmore Girls. So, you know, not that I don't doubt that you would have had the enthusiasm necessary for such an episode. No, it was the right move. You know, you couldn't connect, you couldn't connect about the sexiness of Jess the way that her and I could. No, and then and then just to just to add to it too, um, she is now bouncing back and forth between Gilmore Girls and Hallmark Channel movies, uh, Christmas movies. We are now, twins. So we are twins. Actually, I'm I'm off the Gilmore Girls. I just did, and I don't know. Perhaps we can. Uh, I just did Wednesday. Which was oh yeah, fantastic. she did too. It was yeah. absolutely incredible. Henry and I are doing a rewatch. He didn't watch it the first round. Yeah. Um, he's loved it so far. And, uh, you know, I'll get back to Gilmore Girls. It is Harry yeah. Potter season for me, though. I will okay, be honest. That's right. It's Harry yeah. Potter season. Yeah. Harry Potter season. So, um, uh, also to, to say that thank you everyone for being patient. We know that we've had a couple weeks with no episodes. Tom had COVID <laughs> and he recovered. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, you know what would be fun? If I got COVID. Yeah. And I so, have now recovered. Really? So COVID, we are. Yeah. COVID, or at least COVID really we can't get it for a while. Podcast. Yeah, yeah. We can't but, get it for a while. So. Yeah, knock on wood, and I'm, and I'm uh, you know, uh, at this point, I'm like, I lost track of how many vaccinations I've had to to this uh, to COVID now. So I should probably check a card or something. We're now, now I should never get it ever again. Now I no, feel we're like good. No it's really through us now. Cool. Well, this was fun, and we'll have uh, we'll, we'll as have always. People, I think we'll do another Christmas episode before I the agree. season's over. Yes, we were thinking a Christmas story. Tell us what you guys think because the new Christmas story just came out. So that's one of it's on the table. Thanks for hanging out. Bye. All kids, no parents. Probably a fancy orphanage. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.